I don't really care. I'm only going to say this once. We're here just to part. We're here to take over. This is going to be fun. You're killing your father, Larry. The people know it. I see what all the excitement is about. Yeah, my man, I made it happen. I What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Paul Show. My name is P-A-U-L Paul. And um, this is going to be a fun episode because I'm just going to kind of talk through um, some stuff that's been going on the last uh, the last little while in, in the sports arena. And uh, But before I do that, I want to first address um, sort of the elephant in the room at this point, and that is the... Um, the horrific tragedy of uh, George Floyd and how that all unfolded and subsequent the the uh, protests and all that stuff. And let me just start off by saying I have zero authority on this. Not a not a lick of authority. Um, I am I'm about as white as a person can get. Um, that's and, and I say that painfully. Uh, because, you know, I, I'm just, I grew up in Iowa. I'm a white kid. You know, I, there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I just don't understand. And, um, you know, and I've seen a lot of the things of like, I understand that I don't understand. So that's kind of where I'm at is, uh, you know, I know that I don't know the struggle and I know I don't know, um, the, you know, what that, what it really means to be a black American, but um, what I do know is that, you know, first of all, take race out of the equation. Take, take it completely, completely out of the equation for a, a, a human being to knee another human being in the neck for eight minutes is inhumane, right? Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's a black person, a white person, an Asian person, who cares? It's, it's an inhumane thing to do straight out of the gate. Then you throw in all of the race elements to that. Um, and that's where things, you know, it's, it's not like I, I, I understand where the outrage comes from, right? I understand where the, um, the negative feelings come from. What I don't understand. And, and if there's a reason, please help me understand is how the outrage from that goes to turning turns into, you know, uh, ruining businesses that have nothing to do with the fight and ruining, you know, I get it. You want to go attack a government building. The government is the enemy. I get that. But to, to target business owners who may not financially recover from that and, and they may not have anything to do with the fight that's going on. And, um, you know, a lot of times insurance won't cover that type of stuff. Uh, or, or maybe it will. I, I don't know. You know, it, it just it depends on the business. But there are businesses that will not survive that kind of thing. So, you know, it, if we want the economy to do well, we want, you know, everything to get back to normal from the, just this COVID stuff, um, I don't think that bashing random businesses is the way to go. Um, I, like I said, I, I get the outrage. I get why people are upset, 
and and I I know I started this out by saying I understand that I don't understand, um, and, and that is true. I don't understand the the nuances of what it means to be a Black American, but what I do understand is is at a high level where that outrage comes from, and you know human beings just have that natural instinct to want to want to get them back, right? You you want to you want to land that return, and um, I totally get that. You know, it just it to me it doesn't. Where I don't I don't see the the logic is where you start attacking um, uh, businesses and, and all that, you know. And and another thing that that I it is hard for me to to sink into this idea is that um, it, it's really hard for me to buy into the idea that all cops are bad. It's it's terribly tough because I I know cops I know a few, a handful of cops. And, and the people that I know are, are nice people. They, I, I, I would like to think they wouldn't do something like that. And, and their record has shown that they wouldn't do something like that. The people that I know who are cops and they're great people and they have a job to do. Yes. But it, they do so much more for uh, public safety and, um, you know, I, I think that they do a lot that people would have no idea about. And, um, so I don't think the answer is fuck the police, all of them, they're all pigs, they're all this, they're all that. That's not the right answer. And you can say, I mean, we can disagree about that, but to me that, that doesn't seem like the right answer because are there bad cops? Absolutely. You know, are there, are there bad anything? Yes. Are there bad people that do things? Yes. There's bad people that do everything. Um, and so I, but I don't think you can just throw the baby out with the bath, the baby out with the bathwater here and say that all cops are terrible because I, I know for a fact in my own life, they're not. And, um, and you know, we've seen videos of cops kneeling with protesters. We've seen videos of cops saying, we're with you. Tell us what you want us to do. And, and that goes so much further, I think, than, um, I mean, that just shows that there are good cops and we just need to foster those people, foster those types of people to get into law enforcement, not people who have an agenda or have ridiculous ideologies about about who's superior and who's not, um, you know, not these people who are are just prejudiced and racist and, and not good people. We don't we we do not want those people in law enforcement. We, we don't want those people really anywhere. Uh, if we're being honest, but like, especially in law enforcement, but I don't like this idea that all cops are bad cops. And, and, and like I said, I know that there's going to be disagreements on that, but, um, it just, it seems silly to me to, you know, when there's, when there's so many police officers doing so many good, so much good and, and, you know, not doing the wrong things and not, uh, targeting people based on race and not doing, you know, I, I think that, you know, and, and again, I, I, like I said, I'm not an authority on any of this, so I, I don't know. Uh, but just the people in my life that I know, um, not all cops are bad. And I don't think the answer is get rid of the cops. Cause I think you get rid of the cops. We descend into complete shit show anarchy. And I don't, and, I, and as much as people say they want that, I really don't think they do. 
I really don't think that they want what that really means. And um, does the system need change? 100%. 100%. Do I ever want to see a video again where, where uh, a police officer is, is pretty much just murdering somebody in the streets? No. I never want to see that again. I never want to see anything like that again. I don't want to, you know, it just, it, it sucks that we have to keep doing this because of, you know, at the end of the day, it's that guy made a choice that just sparked chaos. And, and you know, it, in a lot of ways, well, you know, a lot of people have a right to be very, very upset. And, and you know, I... I guess I'll just end by saying this, and I don't want to ramble on this for too long, and I don't want to um, say anything that's going to you know, put my foot in my mouth or anything like that, but um, I, I know that I'll never understand what it is to really be a black American. I get that, you know, and, and um, it, it, that's what makes it hard for me to be like, you know, here's, here's my take on the issue. Here's because I don't know what that experience is like. And so it's hard for me to be like, Oh, here's what, here's what we all should do. Right. Um, that's tough, but I will just kind of say this, I'm going to do what I can do to help the situation. And, and, and we all need to do our parts. And theoretically the system works when everybody's doing the right things. And, um, and, you know, everybody's on the same page. We, we don't have that right now. So I think everybody needs to find actionable steps that they can take in their own communities and do that. Because that's the way things are going to change, is at a grassroots level, and it starts with people. Voting starts with people having a different mindset. It starts with educating. It starts with all that stuff. You know, we need to do all of that. And I think that if there is, it's possible to get to where we, we need to get to. Uh, but it's, it just takes work from everybody, myself included. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of a heavy way to start this. Uh, but I think that that was necessary for me to say at least. And, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's move on to some, uh, some other stuff. So today, what, what was different about today, and, um, and I've never done this before, is I did an 18-hour fast. I stopped eating at 10 o'clock last night. I went until 4 p.m. today with no food. And, um, and that was interesting because where I thought I would just be starving at like 1, 2 o'clock, I really wasn't. You know, I took my dog for a walk and then came home and I was like, you know what, I don't really need to eat. And so then I'm like, we'll just stretch this fast out. I had already been going for about 14 hours at that point at lunch. And so then I was like, you know what? We'll just stretch this thing to 18 and eat at four o'clock. So that's why that's what I did. And I honestly, I did not feel bad. And I, the thing I like and the, and the thing that's also a challenge is uh, getting all my calories in, in that six hour window. That's tough because like today I had a big meal at four, four thirty. And then, um, you know, when got a couple donuts, always have to, right? Uh, donuts are, are a big, uh, must have 
when, when you need calories. So went and got a couple donuts, then went and worked out. Then I came home, had uh, six eggs, some turkey sausage, you know, big meal. Um, I've got a bowl of oatmeal over there waiting for me after this podcast. So, uh, you know, it's just tough to get in all the calories I need to. I, I don't think this is going to be something that I, um, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of want to test it out for a couple more days and see, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. I, I, first day I'm just kind of like, I don't know how I can get all that food in. And, um, it is nice cause you can just eat like a, t- like a truck. Uh, you can just in that six hours, you can just shovel as much food in as you can cause you're going to be down on calories anyways. So, um, that's fun. You know, that is <laughs> stuffing myself like a pig is the fun part. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, I've never done a f- 18 hour fast before I've done a fast for 14 hours. I think I've even stretched one to 16, but I've never done 18. And, um, it's amazing how much food your body does not need. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to eat every time you're hungry, which is insane because when I was growing up, all I ever heard was you got to eat, you got to eat, you know, three meals a day and you got to eat then and, and it's important to get breakfast. It's important, you know, all that stuff, all those little, those little things you hear. And now I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like questioning all that stuff because like, and, and that's been going on for five years in, in my fucked up brain. But, um, you know, I, I've been experimenting with this stuff for a long time, but, um, yeah, the 18 hours was something new and I think I'll incorporate it. Like, I don't think it's going to be something that I do on a regular, like day to day basis, and I don't think it's going to be something that I can keep up and get the calories I need to uh, to keep up with weight training and cardio and all that stuff. But it is going to be something that I keep in my back pocket as far as I know right now. I mean, I'm going to try it out for a couple more days and see where we're at. But uh, as I sit here right now, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to use it as a tool in my back pocket. And that way, when I need to bust it out, you know, I can. And so... Um, yeah, that's been fun. And then, um, yeah, I really didn't see a, a detriment to my workout tonight. I mean, I, I did a full weights workout, full body workout. Uh, didn't really see much of a, I mean, I worked out two days ago with weights, which I usually give it at least two days in between. And I only gave it one and I did a long bike ride yesterday. So, um, I, my body was feeling that but my body wasn't feeling the lack of calories. You know, there are different kinds of tired. You know, when you're when you're just, you can tell when your muscles are just kind of overworked and you can also tell when they're underfed. At least I can. And so um, it's just, it's a different thing. But uh, yeah, I didn't feel like my workouts really suffered all that much. I thought that uh, the, the fast really didn't have an impact. If anything, it maybe gave me a little bit more energy in the gym, you know? So like I said, that's going to be something that I keep in my back pocket as a tool going forward and uh, just something that I lean on every once in a while. Like I, I had a I had a fun weekend this weekend, had some pizza, had, you know, burgers and stuff. So uh, on this Monday, it's Monday the 1st right now, 1st of June. So uh, holla and... Um, it, whenever it crosses into June, I feel like it's officially fucking summertime now. And, you know, that's, that's, um, exciting. It's going to be 93 degrees tomorrow. I'm so excited. But, um, but no, so 
yeah, the 18 hour fast, that's going to be something I keep doing, maybe not regularly, but I'll definitely keep doing it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about you know, on the, on kind of this related topic, well, two things. Number one is, um, I just got a pair of shoes and I, it amazes me that I liked them so much. And I mean, not really. Cause I, you know, I always have a problem. Like I went to a, uh, running shoe store last year around this time. Uh, it was right when I signed up for my triathlon. So I signed up for a triathlon like middle of June. So I, then I went and got a pair of running shoes because I was like, you know what, if I'm going to put miles on my feet, I need to have a decent pair of running shoes. So I go to the store and I get, um, they, they test my feet, they do all this stuff and they have me like run down this alley or whatever. And they look at my feet, how they hit. And they just give me these big shoes and, um, and they're nice. They're Nikes, they're running shoes. I mean, they're comfy, but I just always, I don't know. I like for a long time, my, my go-to shoe was a Nike free, Nike free run. And they stopped making them the way I liked them. And so that sucks. But, um, and so I, like, I was really bummed out and I'm like, damn it. Like I was going to just get another pair cause mine are worn out now. But then, um, I had this Nike pair of running shoes, but they got a, this big cushy heel on them. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't know. Like it almost creates more problems than anything. Cause it, it, it whenever I run in them, they, they tense up my calves and it just, it never feels good. It feels like, oh, excuse me. I need to get some water. Mm. Sorry about that. Um, I always get like knots in my calves when I wear them. And especially when I wear them on like long runs, like I, I, in the spring I was taking them on like five miles and you know, my, my calves would get really tight and I I always have one spot in my left calf, which is just a big, uh, it it flares up all the time. It's just a big knot. And, um, when I was running, I, I did another five mile in the Nike freeze, but they're kind of wearing down at this point. So, um, it, they weren't the best for the five miler, but anyways, so then I, I, I remember seeing on YouTube that, that, uh, Nick bear was wearing a pair of, uh, one of the shoes he always trained in was a new balance minimus. And so I looked into them and I'm like, you know, I think I might like those. So I bought them and they, they showed up today and I wore them, walked like, I don't know, three quarters of a mile to the gym did my whole workout in them, walked three quarters of a mile home. Hands down, the best out of the box feeling. Like, you know, like when you, when you get new shoes and then you, you have to break them in a while. These are, I mean, these are not broken in, but still for being a not broken in shoe, they're the most comfortable shoe I've ever had. And and I've I've talked about this, maybe not on here, but I've talked about this with people that I'm, I'm not a big fan of big, cushy shoes. I'm just not like, I like, I like my, uh, Chuck Taylors. I like Nike freeze. I like, um, when I take my dogs on walk, I literally wear Tiva sandals, like dad sandals. And they're just thin on the bottom. Like I don't like a lot of support for my feet. I have decently strong feet. And so, um, I just don't like a lot of support on them. And, and especially like in my arches, cause I have really high arches. So for me, like the less support I get on those are, it feels better. Who knows if it is better? I have no idea. And maybe my feet are strong enough to withstand that, but we'll see. 
but I just wanted to give that shoe. It's a New Balance Minimus 20V7 trainer, I believe. I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I think. So uh, those are really good shoes. And then the other thing I'm really excited about is coming hopefully tomorrow. Uh, I have a, a Whoop coming in the mail. And if you don't know what a Whoop is, it's just like a wearable fitness tracker, but it, it gives you, you, it's a subscription model. And so I'm, I'm paying, I signed up for six months and um, it's, you know, I'm paying every month and it, it gives you a lot of data and it gives you like heart rate variability, uh, recovery, sleep, all that stuff. And so I'm, I'm super pumped for that. I, I've looked at them for a long time. Um, I've always wanted one. And, and I just pulled the trigger on it. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm excited for the process of it. Like, I'm excited to kind of get in there with the numbers and, and figure it out and, and kind of move stuff around as I, um, as I need to. And, and that's the fun part is I'm just excited. Like, I'm excited for the thing to come and, and start wearing that thing around. But uh, what I'm really excited for is, is like, I, mostly the sleep. Because, like, I have an Apple Watch right now and the the – um, the sleep doesn't track because you have to charge it at night. And so like I, I used to have a Fitbit and I ended up putting it through the wash. So, uh, kudos to, to me on that one. But, uh, I used to have a Fitbit and that was, I liked that because it did track sleep. You have to charge it every once in a while, but it tracked sleep. And so I could tell like when I was getting good sleep, when I was getting bad sleep, all that. Um, and, and I was in a dorm room, so I was getting a lot of bad sleep. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so excited for the whoop. I will, I'll do probably more, uh, content based around the whoop at some point here coming up. And I, I just kind of want to play with it and see how it goes. And then, and then I'll start working it into, um, to what I'm doing. So, um, but then the other thing I did last night was, uh, kind of cha- changing gears here, no pun intended. And that'll make sense here in a second is uh, I watched the second half of the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30. And boy, was that good. It was really, really good. If you haven't seen it, I would 100% go, um, like recommend that you go watch it. It is an amazing documentary. It, um, you know, Lance Armstrong is such a complicated guy. And, and I knew that, I've known that for about five years now because um, he was on Rogan's podcast in like, 2015 I want to say and like late 2015 Mm. it's weird I remember like I I remember podcasts like that by where I was at the time like I remember I was at I was in my hometown on a break so I think it was like late 2015 I was I was in college but anyways um uh yeah Lance Armstrong was on Rogan and and just from that conversation I I had a much more deep respect for Lance Armstrong after that. And then, uh, seeing this documentary, I knew this was going to be really, really good. I knew it was going to delve into a lot. And, you know, the first part, the first part was interesting because it, it dealt more with his childhood and hearing him talk about the way he was growing up. I related to that hard because he just, you know, he was just full of piss and vinegar and just a madman. And, you know, I, while, while I was not the elite athlete that Lance Armstrong was and not in the kind of shape he was in, I, I was 
you know, I had a lot of streaks of that in my early life, just full of piss and vinegar and, and <laughs> just willing to burn the bridge down and, and just, you know, all that stuff. And I, and I made up things in my head to, uh, you know, it was just, I, I saw a lot of parallels and I, and I saw a lot of myself in Lance Armstrong in the, at least in the early stages later. I don't know. I, I like to think I would be a little bit more, uh, level headed, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> but anyways, so the, the first part was really good and it kind of dealt with a lot of stuff. The second part was phenomenal because that's where it dealt with the personal relationship parts of it and um, how it affected his kids and and just the aftermath of uh, the whole scandal. So, I mean, it was, I guess I'll just leave with this. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And, and the thing about Lance Armstrong is, um, you know, he gets the bad rap for a lot of people who, and he addresses this in the documentary, um, but he gets a bad rap for doping a lot and it's deserved. Yes. But, um, that was just, that was what cycling was at that time. And it wasn't like he was the, it wasn't like everybody else was showing up on their prayers and vitamins and he was coming in with the 24 inch pythons and, and just kicking ass because he was loaded to the gills. No, everybody was doing that stuff. Everybody was on EPO. At least a vast majority of them were. And um, for for people to think that the elite of the elite is not going to partake in something that literally everybody in the sport is partaking in, that's just, that's not realistic. But um, yeah, great documentary. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Uh, I would 100% recommend it. Let me know what you think of it. I would, uh, I'll be interested to see what people think. But, um, but then speaking of kind of controversial athletes with Lance Armstrong, Mike Tyson's making a comeback. Mike Tyson. I, uh, whenever I, whenever I say Mike Tyson's name, it always, uh, I always say Mike Tyson. And then, and then directly followed by that, I go, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, baby. Um, no, but for real, Mike Tyson's making a comeback, and he looks phenomenal. The only thing that worries me about the Mike Tyson comeback is when he was on Rogan. I, can you can you tell I listen to Joe Rogan? Uh, but when he was on Joe Rogan, he was talking about how you know the fighting brings up his ego, and it, and it stirs that up a lot. And I think he addressed this in a post at some point in the not-so-distant past. But um, he was talking about how fighting kind of ignites his ego and he doesn't like that guy. He doesn't like the person he is with that ego firing and all that. So that's the only part that gives me a little bit of worry. But but you know what? It's a Mike Tyson comeback. I am here for it. And uh, I and I guarantee you, if you have a problem with Mike Tyson, you have a problem with anything, you'll be watching it. You know, he is top five, one of the most famous people on the planet. Uh, baddest dude on the planet for a long time. Um just the thing I like the most about Mike Tyson too is that he seems like like now that he's kind of out of fighting and out of um, he's got a, his podcast Hot Boxing which is amazing um, where he just smokes tons of weed and and interviews people and he's got his weed farm and all that so you know I think that he is 
he another controversial guy. A lot of people are split on him. A lot of people don't quite know what to think of him. Um, I like that he kind of turned it around. I like that he was, yeah, he was wild, and yeah, he, he, you know, everybody's got a past, right? And, and, you know, Mike Tyson has done some, there's things I don't agree with that Mike Tyson has done, uh, but that doesn't take away from what he did in the ring and what he did in boxing and um, just who he was. And, you know, when when you're that high level, there's going to be some insanity that goes along with that. I mean, it just is, that is what it is. You know, and so I think Mike Tyson definitely had that, and he was just a he was a wild, crazy dude, and you know, I I just I'm excited, I'm I'm like excited, nervous for this comeback thing. You know, like it's it's something that is really cool to think about, but I I wonder what it's going to be like when he's actually in the ring, and I'm actually watching it on TV, and I see 53 year old Mike Tyson. Takes either take somebody's head off or get his head taken off. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. But, um, but then speaking of fighting, kind of shifting gears again, um, this past weekend was UFC, the first UFC that they have held in Nevada. So that they got a license in Nevada, which is a good sign because that means, you know, the UFC obviously has a plan with what they're doing with this whole coronavirus thing. And, you know, I, I think Dana said it was like an inch-thick document of uh, what their plan was for doing these events. So they obviously have a plan. And, um, and you know, I, I, was, I liked the, the Apex event. I liked how they did it in the Apex where it was kind of a um, – they had this – it reminded me of uh, studio wrestling back in the day. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Like, WCW – Back in like the, or uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think like, I don't know if you if you're, if you're into pro wrestling like when WCW was at uh, Disney MGM and they had the the ring that was on the little platform and it revolved, uh, it reminded me a lot of that, and which is which is fine because that's what we have to do at this point. Um, so I'm gonna start with the t- with the top of the card and go down. So Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. That, I mean, masterful performance by Gilbert Burns, 100%. You can't take that away from him. Tyron Woodley, you know, this is hard because I, um, I'm i a big Tyron Woodley fan. I like him. I like what he's about. I like what he stands for. I like just who he seems like a just down, down-to-earth guy. Is he a little drama queen? Sometimes, yes. Does he get in his own way sometimes? Yes. Um, you know, did, did he take a stance on some things that, um, yeah, I, he took a lot of stances against the UFC, which is always a tough position to be in. And I think that that wore on him a lot, especially when he held the title. And then going into, Going into the Usman fight, he was doing a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff in the works. And then in that fight, he just could not pull the trigger. He couldn't fire. He couldn't um, play his game. And then you saw the same thing in this fight. And I think that part of it is he does really, really well against specialists. And because he, he did very well against Wonderboy, against Damian Maya, against um, Till. Um, 
Robbie Lawler. I mean, I mean, Robbie Lawler and Darren Till aren't really specialists. Darren Till probably more so, but um, Tyron Woodley, I like him a lot, and I and I want to see him do well. But it, it is kind of hard to be a Tyron Woodley fan because when you just see him not being able. And, and again, I'm not. I have zero authority on this as well. So just throwing that out there. But um, yeah, Tyron Woodley. It, it just it's tough. It's tough to see because he's, uh, you know, I think with guys like Usman and Burns, that's the next wave of of really top level elite fighters. And Ty- Tyron Woodley was the last wave, right? And and he was kind of in that Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler class, maybe maybe like one behind them, but uh, still right in there. And then. To see just, he's obviously not at the, he's at the end of his career, the ending years of his career, right? And so, um, but just seeing the way that those fights have gone, it's tough. And and I really want to root for him. And I do root for him. I root for him a lot because you know, I think that he, um, he's he, he started in Ferguson, Missouri, and he's he made it. And you cannot hate on that. You 100% cannot. And I respect that. And and honestly, when he, I became a Tyron Woodley fan based on one interview, and that was in 2016, and it was with Ariel Hawani. And um, basically, he was just saying like, oh, the thing I remember is he said, "You can delay, but you can't deny." And I love that. I love that uh, that saying. And so I I was just like, I like this dude, and you know I've rooted for him since. And in the last couple of fights, it's been tougher. But you know what? He has nothing to worry about. He, um, maybe aside from, I don't know what his financial situation is like, but he does have that deal with ESPN where he can he can do the studio shows. I think he should try his hand at commentating because I, I think he could do really, really well at that. And um, yeah, but I like Tyron Woodley and, and I hope that... I want to see him do really, really well. And I want to see him do everything that, um, I want to see him achieve the highest success that he possibly can. And, you know, it was just, it was tough to see him get worked for five rounds again. That was tough. Um, but then moving down the card, you know, Mackenzie Dern was back, knee barred some girl. Um, just, she's, she's good. I don't know if, I don't know. I was impressed by that, but at the same point in time, you know, she's had some other issues with weight and just other stuff. But I liked her performance. I liked uh, what I saw there. Quick win. Um, she was kind of, from what I saw, I thought she was kind of getting lit up for the first couple minutes of that round, and it was going to be a tough fight for her. And then she managed the knee bar, and and it was home free. But you know, I I think that Mackenzie Duran has a lot of upside. I think that. Uh, she's, she, uh, I mean, aside from being a, a smoke show, she's also just an incredible jujitsu talent. And, and, um, again, I, I want to see her do well as well. And the last person that really impressed me was, um, Caitlin Shikagan. She fought the other Shevchenko. So she fought Valentina a few months ago, and then she just fought her, uh, Valentina's sister, Antonia, maybe, and um, 
Anyways, just completely shut her down. You know, all the talk of, well, Valentina was in the camp and all this stuff. None of that mattered. Shikagan just went out there and whooped some ass. So they were fun fights to watch. They were fun fights to uh, be there. But, yeah, I want to see Caitlin Shikagan get back to a title. I want to see her get back to at least a title shot. I think that she can do really, really well in in that. And um, and uh, nobody's going to beat Valentina at this point, I don't think. But I do want to see her at least get back up there and, and make some more money. So, you know, that... It was it was a good card to kind of start off the Las Vegas thing. Now we've got UFC 250. I'll do a breakdown later this week of of what that's going to be. But you know it it's just it's um it's a cool time right now to be a UFC fan because there's more coming down the pipeline, and I'm really interested to see what they do with um, 170. I could do a whole episode on that by itself, but I will not. We we're more than a half hour in right now, so I will not subject either of us to that. But, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much rounds out tonight's episode. As always, follow me on social media at Paul underscore Dehart. Uh, check me out online at thepaulshow.net. And, as always, subscribe, tell your friends, stay safe, stay healthy, do your part, and we will all get through these crazy-ass times together. That was, that was some philosophical shit right there. All right. Later, everybody.